Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eeyore. Uh, Just a quick warning off the top, this episode may contain explicit language. Um, I don't know if we're going to need the explicit tag on this today, but... uh, my God, guys! Like that—that that was the worst I mean, this team has looked all year. Correct? Like, like oh, oh easily, one hundred percent. Oh, I mean, it—it it was, and you know, it was the kind of game where afterwards people are comparing it to what their worst Northwestern experiences are and measuring it up. And it's—I mean, this was just an absolutely, an absolutely horrible one. Where I mean, we, the the margin the margin of victory was the same as the Alma Bowl. Yeah, and yet, I mean, I this felt the Alamo Bowl. I felt, oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I if Nebraska had wanted to score a hundred points in this game badly enough, they could have gotten there. Um, yeah, they 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 threw that deep bomb right, um, what midway through the third quarter to connect and go up forty nine seven, and you felt like they could have scored at least three more touchdowns if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely horrible, and we talked about the fact that this was going to be a, a tipping point game. And I think we we mapped out, right? I mean, and the thing is, it's like, this is going to be a theme, but it's like, we are not Paul Feinbaum people, okay? Like, we're not here to be pundits. We want things to go great for Northwestern. We don't want to pick nets. We just want to have a good time. This is really rough. It's really rough to do this now. Um, but it's just like your the the this was like a, a tipping point situation and we kind of mapped it out and mapped out that there was a that we really were hoping for things to come together and for for problems that we had watched and were so familiar with for all the games coming into this game not to rear their head and instead we got the the absolute uber version of all of these things and we had mapped that out we'd been like we don't want to say it but it's like we can all predict exactly how this game could go and then it went exactly like that writ large and but that's worse. What, that's what, but but worse and yeah, that's that's I mean, what we're sifting through there's um, very, there's there's no portion of the playbook that was being like held in reserve um nope there's uh there were no wrinkles or um like packages on the field that looked any different than they had the first four weeks of the season um there was nary a single attempt of something new or different um after you know the catastrophes against duke and michigan state and um as a result northwestern got killed I do want, before we just completely shit all over this game, which we absolutely will be doing, I do want to, you know, a couple positive notes. Um, I thought Ryan Helensky played fine. You know, 25 of 39 for 256 and a touchdown. Not the most efficient numbers, but like, he wasn't the problem. Too, too soon, Sammy. I'm not ready to be happy, to be happy yet. Um, yeah, I, 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 but, we, we got we got to start off with the with, we're going to go negative. I, I believe I, you're, I, you're I right. You're actually, right though. You're right though. Well, and, and like I, I was I was rewatching the um, like the condensed version of this game earlier this afternoon, and like the thing that stands that stood out about Holinsky is despite everything that went horribly wrong in this game, despite taking hits, he was hobbled. You know, you see him limping um, up to the line, but like 
He looks calm and composed in the pocket. He's making throws in the face of pressure. He's leading the team on the field. Honestly, I thought in in ways he looked better than Ramsey looked last year. Uh, he looked to be more in control than, you know, Thorson in some similar spots. Now, maybe this is like, I don't know, like, I like it's the one bright spot on the field that I'm looking at, you know, that the, the, the prettiest girl in the room, as it were. Um, but uh, like, this is probably our quarterback for the next three years. And he looks the part and that's um, a silver lining, at least. Sure. The- okay. That, it, that that that's enough that's enough positive john I, i'm sorry no, go, go ahead no, go no ahead. i i have a couple more it's like inside baseball for for the listeners we hadn't exactly decided exactly how we were going to do this whether we put you know the, the some of the good stuff up front i kind of like doing that i honestly need to gas up my own tank to get through the rest of this pod so some positivity off the top is is absolutely true I think one of the big things I would say too is the offensive line. And I I really want to make it clear for some of you who are like the, I mean, I think Nebraska was credited for four sacks. I've watched all the highlights of this game. I'm trying to find, I, I mean, they could have been that they picked some up really late. Okay. So, so, so if you count one of the fumbles, um, the, and Bo- the, both of the fumbles. The, right, both of the fumbles. And so there's maybe kind of a misconception that there wasn't good pass protection. And honestly, there was good pass protection. And that's one of the, the big things to, to drill down on. The offensive lineman who had the worst game, and I'm only going to call him out by name because he's going to be playing in the NFL for a long time, is Peter Skaronsky. Um, which is not something that we've been saying, but he had kind of a rough day. He gave up one of the sacks. Um, but I, I, the, I think that might've been the first sack he's ever given up. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, cause he's Pete effing Skaronsky and that's the thing. It's like, we ain't worried about the bounce back ability of man bear Pete. Okay. The, and then Nebraska picked up a sack on an absolutely awesome play. And that, you know, we'll get into later because of kind of juxtaposition reasons. But we were so afraid coming in and we had predicted Northwestern was going to go heavy and was going to try to run the ball. And granted, circumstances being what they were, that was never going to be an option in this game from kind of like mid first quarter on. But from like the first play. But I think and 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 be honest with yourselves, listeners at home, uh, I think our feeling was probably what a lot of your feelings was, which is, oh, God, if we got to go spread and and this goes like, for example, it went kind of for Michigan State the week before. Halitsky's just going to be like he's going to be in so much trouble, right, with the rush that they're going to be bringing because of what's going to be coming up the middle at him. And I mean, guys, I got to tell you, the middle of this line, kind of a Herculean effort. There were no releases up the middle. There was no pressure up the middle. There was no situation where Halinski's like, oh my gosh, here comes an unchecked defensive tackle who just executed a swim move. Um, none of that. There were a couple of linebackers that got through. I think one there, was by design, but there was another one that was a miss. I think I, I think it resulted in that kind of dump off to Evan Hall that was short right. of the sticks on a, on a drive in the second half. Right. But for the, for the most part. Right. The, the, the roof didn't cave in. Let's put it that way, which is then what we thought was going to happen. And that is exponentially magnified by the fact that we had four interior linemen get injured in this game. 
it boggles the mind. Um, Jarak got hurt um, once, and you can just see that that poor guy is just kind of battling an injury at this point. But the other one was almost, I mean, you laugh to keep from crying, right? Um, Josh Preeb gets hurt. Conrad Rowley comes in for Preeb. He gets rolled up on. He gets hurt. Rayther comes in for Rowley, and then Rayther gets hurt. I mean, it was just absolutely brutal. And despite this, and despite all the fact that these guys were dealing with, um, the 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 dam held in the middle of the field, which hasn't been true in really any game up until this point. Ohio, we just didn't really throw. Um, but even Indiana State, you had guys getting split. So penalties were a, a backbreaker in the first half offensively, and a lot of that was attributed to the offensive line. But I guess the the one thing I would say to put to put a bow on this part of it is the offensive line really improved their interior pass pro in this game. Man Bear Pete had a bad game. He'll bounce back. We believe in him. We love him. Okay. The errors have got to get fixed. But just when now and next week and the week after and the week after, you're all looking for something to hold on to. Just remember, almost this entire offensive line, like you look at all the guys who played today who came in when guys got hurt. Almost all those guys are underclassmen, okay? We're going to have four running backs next year. All the backs on this year's roster are going to be back next year, okay? And Ryan Holinsky looked good. So you can see the seeds and be like, this team is making so many dumb errors right now that are shooting itself in the foot. But that kind of stuff looks like it could be correctable. So again, keep that in mind. There are seeds of a really good offense, not just for next year, but for the year after that. Like a lot of these guys are going to be in the program for multiple years and are showing real signs. So hold, just, just hold on to that. Grab it really tight as we, as we just go on this horrible journey for a lot of the rest of this pod. Just, just remember that and hold on to that piece at least. All right, guys, fill up your drinks uh, yeah. and, and t- take a big sip. Here it is. I at least want to say, like, Stephen Rob- yeah. Robinson he looks great. Good. 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. He's nice. That Like, that, that that third drive that the Cats had that they scored a touchdown on, they looked good. They were moving the ball. Um, you had you had Andrew Clare, who was another uh, standout, running through um, defenders. Like, like exactly. The, like, they were, there, were, there were not two tight ends on the field like we thought the Cats might employ. Um, but Claire was running through contact and, and driving for hard yards, um, really, really looked awesome out there. And that was, I mean, that's Bajakian's system in a nutshell, that third drive, right? Um, attack with Claire, get some yards on the ground and then play action, throw deep. And Robinson was, was, uh, Helinski hit him once in a really tight coverage situation and then hit him, uh, for the touchdown when he was pretty wide open. And, uh, that's how it's supposed to work, and it looked awesome. And Claire and Robinson were pretty good, not just on that drive, but but throughout the throughout the rest of the game. But I like, obviously, time to time to drink. That the defense like neutered the offense's ability to do anything in this game. I mean, again, the the offense it, that touchdown drive was great. The next drive, um, where you know it, it ended on the fumble on the one inch line. That was a good. That was a really good drive. Great deep pass to Malik Washington. You know, got down to the one, and then, you know, the mistake, the backbreaking mistake that we've seen so often this season. You know, inside the five, um, you know, fumbled, fumbling it away, and then you know, a couple drives later, you know, 
if we score there, it's it's twenty eight fourteen, and you know maybe <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but, I mean, we we were never stopping Nebraska's offense that entire well, that, that, game. That, so that, that, that's, that's, fair. Fair. that's fair. That's fair. But you know, I I want to bring this up only because I think. For all you know, ever since Coach Jake came in, we've been pretty big supporters of Coach Jake. So given that, I think it's fair to say he's had a couple really rough play calls inside the 10 uh, this season um, that just, you look at the ceiling of these plays, the, the play that led to the Hunter Johnson fumble in the Duke game, and then this play that led to this fumble in this game, where you you game it out and you say, if everything goes right on this play, what is supposed to happen here? And again, I just because again, folding it back to like, we want this to be the positive part of things. I would just be like, well, that's fixable if we just, you know, we're at the one inch line and we just pound it into the end zone. Um, like we tried on the exact play right before that. But I think, you know, success rate would be pretty high. These are all, fi- these are fixable kind of problems, right? Mental mistakes, little things, mental mistakes can affect coaches as well as players, Right. These are the kind of things that are fixable. And, and heaven help us, if we ever solve the Rubik's Cube that is screen passes this season. Oh, my God. Or the season after that. Um, the amount of screen passes where you're like, wait, why didn't that work again? I have to watch the replay like five times to be like, wait. But there were everyone was, everyone was open and there was only one defender out there. And what went wrong? And it's always something different. But, you know, it's like these are the kind of things we solve but, you know, before we make this hard and horrible pivot. I guess one thing that I would just say is like, Scuzz, correct me if I'm wrong, but Michigan State was an absolute cluster on offense last year too for a bunch of the same reasons. And oh yeah, and they were seemed to have you know suddenly found it. And then you remember, oh yeah, it is a lot of those same guys. And oh yeah, a lot of the linemen were hurt. And oh yeah, a lot of the team was just making really stupid mistakes. And then they fixed a lot of those things. And like bang bang. So it's like you know offensively. Seeds of promise for the future. Defensively, again, allow me to take another drink. I mean, Nebraska was making all those sorts of kind of boneheaded mistakes, what, three weeks ago? Five five weeks ago? Um, Not Saturday night. No, they, 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 I mean, I guess, like, you can call me a homer when I say this, but um, it's undeniable that that was, Nebraska's absolute best game of the season and not not just because of of what they did with the scoreboard and beating you know a hapless opponent in Northwestern but the the physicality they existed or that they exhibited on both sides of the ball especially the line I mean the offensive line the defensive line both I mean dominated the line of scrimmage yeah yeah, the pop with which with which their offensive line came off the ball um and you could hear the announcers like expressing surprise and and I don't know, maybe joy, but like um, just talking about how much more help Adrian Martinez was, was getting, how physical they were being. Um, this was not a team that was tentative in any way, shape or form. And I, I think, I think I said it on last week's pod that, you know, Nebraska coming off of a game, they absolutely should have won against Michigan state and another game where they're kicking themselves on how they lost to Oklahoma, you know, being so close um, unexpectedly that, they were either going to, you know, come into this game with a crisis of confidence or they were going to put the sound and fury together and just hammer the cats. And that's I, even if Northwestern plays really, really well and, and somehow fixes their defensive problems and finds speed at linebacker and 17 other things like they still lose that game because Nebraska was like incandescent. Yeah, uh, I don't know. 
I I agree with what you're saying. Nebraska found it. I I do feel if if last year's Northwestern team played that Nebraska team oh, at night in Lincoln, oh, I don't know. Like maybe it's a one score game, but I think they I don't win. know. I I I so here's where I disagree because I think Nebraska part of the reason again I'm not they played a great game, but. Nebraska was looking at film all all week and being like, "Oh my god, oh fair, my god, fair, fair we're gonna carve these guys up." Nebraska it was sitting all week going, "Fair point." Oh my god, is this really what they're gonna roll out again? There must be something else. It can't be this, can it? And then they showed up and it was, and they were like, "Oh my god, we're gonna score fifty points in this game," and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> We've been talking about you know the myth the the mythical three four all year, right? Um, and not because we think that Northwestern was magically going to come out in the three, four, this game, but like something different from what we've seen, some sort of look that, that presented a different approach. And um, that, that was also partially informed by the fact that Nebraska quite literally shit the bed when they saw a three, four in week one. against <laughs> Illinois. Right. And you got to think that they spent some time this week, like, like pouring over the film T- to your exact point, John, like wondering Wondering where that wrinkle was, where Fitz was going to take what he saw from that Illinois tape and and try to leverage it, and we we didn't even bother. I mean, they had to be sync. They had to be going. They had to be going. Duke spent an entire week prepping for the massive problems they saw on film. Showed up to their game in Durham, and saw Northwestern present them the exact package that they best, you know, the exact best thing they could have hoped to see watching film. And then they just executed it and dusted Northwestern using that thing. It can't happen again, can it? Because we're way more equipped than Duke was to deal with Northwestern if they do that. And then they did that exact same thing. Um, And I, I want to pause here because there's, there's been a lot of talk. and, And as we go on, I think we're going to, to speak to, our, our personal feelings, like our own read on it. A lot of people have a different read on it and kind of what our personal read on, is on it. And I think you'll see that even between us, the read is a little bit different. Um, but just kind of A, to set this up and B, to, to keep things just a little bit light. Let's let's just put it this way, okay? In framing this and framing it for, for all of us, for Northwestern Nation and all of you listeners, okay? Imagine you're Urban Meyer, Okay. Oh boy. And you're oh boy. And you're you're at that bar and you're sitting there on that stool with your drink and that attractive young lass comes on over and starts dancing up on you and she's getting a little closer and a little closer and then she's she's right up on you, okay? Well, all of you listening right now probably have a, a range of opinions on exactly what Urban Meyer should have done in that moment, right? Um some of you, the virtuous among you, are going to say, you know, he should have leaned over and said to that young lady, um, excuse me, miss, would you mind moving four or five feet away? Um, I'm a married man and I don't feel really comfortable in this situation. Um, or similarly, he could have just gotten up and been like, well, it's time for me to go and then walked on out of there. Um, the less virtuous among you, some of you uh, might be looking around, you know, might be saying, what he really should have been doing is looking around and seeing if anyone had a cell phone camera pointed his way um, so that he could deal with that situation immediately um, and, and diffuse it or just get out of there. Um, the really least virtuous of you, at probably 15 to 20 of you, and I feel like I could point out exactly which 15 to 20 of you, 
are probably saying something like, well, he should have, you know, slipped that girl a piece of paper with his hotel room number on it and said like, hey, circle back in 45 minutes or something like that. The point is, right, all of you probably have slightly different opinions of what Urban Meyer should have done in that situation. But you all have the same opinion of the one thing he should not have done, which is nothing. You all agree that the one thing he couldn't do was just sit there and do nothing, just like he did for that whole period of time. And that's kind of the theme. All of you out there in Northwestern Nation have nuanced opinions of what the problems are. But the one thing you all agree on, and we agree on, is that something has to be done. That when we show up for Rutgers, something has to be different. Different personnel, a different scheme, right? Something has to be different than what it's been. Because the John, same... John, what is, what is the definition of insanity? exactly exactly doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result right so i'm just so it's right it's all to say we're going to go through and map out what we think our take is on it your take may be slightly different but regardless the whole thing is this the last five weeks this ain't working at all and something has to be different and it's like you know jay Sharman, who you know I, i think a lot of us thought for a second we're like oh they're gonna be a press conference today and it's like oh no there's a bye week so there's not gonna be a press conference till next week but jade was thinking you know when we all you know when we were thinking there was a press conference being like well someone just stand up and and ask fitz a question and then try to not get an answer that begins with like we just gotta coach him up but no we don't we don't want to hear that what will be different going forward so that's kind of where we are right now and and you know yeah with that said let's get into this god-awful mess I mean, where 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 to begin? I mean, defense. Oh my god! Like first play of the first. I don't. I don't okay, so go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. I just I don't know that there's much to talk about, like specific to the game. Yeah, right? no. Like, I mean, the, the, it was the, the, it was the, terrible. The, the de- it's it's all systemic. You're right. It's like we didn't see anything we haven't seen before. They couldn't tackle. Um, there were bad angles. Um, there were missed assignments. Bad, bad contain. Um, the the read option completely, um, you know, eviscerated the the edge defense. And um, I just like, the, I think you know the common theme we've been talking about. I I would almost just rather talk about the just the general problems. Yeah, no, that absolutely, absolutely. Needs to go Think about it because like there's there's nothing gained by yeah, analyzing yeah you can't really take anything away from that game it was shitty it was yeah, terrible but, burn but, the tape move on right i mean it was it was an f right the the game was a was a total letter f grade but so like so here, here's a couple things so first of all we've we've been talking for a few weeks now that our linebackers are not fast we don't have a lot of speed at the line at the linebacker position and you can you know who do you want to blame right like i like it's not like the players aren't trying. It's not like they're not, you know, um, decent football players. They're just not able to keep up with the likes of Nebraska's running backs and Adrian Martinez and Michigan State's running backs, right? Like, I, I, you know, a, a couple of breakdowns of some of the big plays I've heard just talks about, like, the linebackers couldn't get there to make the tackle, and that's that's just a fact. What's weird and frustrating and driving us up a wall is that 
we're not seeing the coaching staff try to play other players at that position. And um, I guess where I'm going with this is, to me, the linebacker room in 2021 is feeling very akin to the quarterback room in 2019, where toward the end of that year, you heard Fitz say that, um, you know, there was a lack of preparation and you had players that assumed they hadn't, that they weren't going to play. And so they, you know, hadn't been preparing. And I don't know if that's true or not, but what does appear to be true is the coaching staff appears to be sending a message to the players in that, in that linebacker room who aren't playing. And maybe it's a case of, you know, three weeks into the season, they decided things were crazy and they just wanted to get to the bye week. But, um, I mean, it just feels like we're leaving guys out, like hanging guys out to dry and leaving others on the bench. And it, and it, it, does not make sense. And yes, like Jim O'Neill has done nothing to show any of us why he has the job of decent defensive coordinator, but you got to call out uh, uh, Tim McGarrigal as well as, as the position coach for that group. And that group's not performing right now. Like the idea of a Northwestern linebacker core not performing under Pat Fitzgerald is like, is a new thing for us. Like, so this is I like every, everybody is, I, I hear people saying like, Oh, John, uh, Jim O'Neill has turned Chris Bergen into a, you know, into somebody who can't tackle. It's, that's not how He's it works. He's leading the team folks. in tackles, guys. Well, 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 well that too. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't look great on, on Saturday, but like the, like the point is, is like, there's there, like Rome is burning. There's, there's so there's like one problem firing Jim O'Neill during the bye week ain't going to fix well, this. I want to, let's put a pin in O'Neill only because there seems to be this opinion among some of our listener base that like we're Jim O'Neill defenders and are trying to like, and I'm like, no, just no. But let's put a pin in this because we'll circle back to it. But the, I mean, the linebacker thing, I mean, you're abs- you're absolutely right. And again, this is the kind of thing where I talked about before Urban Meyer in the bar, what you think he's, it's like, some people are like there's there's a section of the listener base that is firmly in the it starts with the defensive ends the defensive ends are crashing down they're getting out of position I'm not saying you're wrong look Nebraska could have scored a hundred points in this game there's no one who's immune from a performance like that but with that said Scuzz is absolutely right and we are firmly in the camp that you know the math the massive majority of this just radiates out from the linebacker core and again it's like we. It sucks to have to talk about this because we hate going at guys. And as it is, we're, we're not trying to name individual guys here, okay? But to say it's slow, to, to make it a thing of pure speed, undersells it. Um, we're one Chris Bergen bad game at any time away from having one of the worst linebacker groups in the Power Five. That's just the way it is. It's not just a question of speed. It's a question of getting pushed off the ball, not being able to shed blocks. It's just a nightmare. And I think, and that's the thing, discusses point. It's like, there are a couple of, of big things. And one of those things is, Scuzz, you and I talked about this because you mentioned to me when we were talking about this after the game, it's like, well, now, knowing what we know about the linebackers now, would you go back and reevaluate what you said about Michigan State? Because I think one of the things we talked about with Michigan State was that we were seeing a bunch of localized errors and a bunch of those localized errors were related to the secondary. And, you know, we specifically, I have gotten dragged in the weeks since then, because I think a lot of people took that as me being like, look, if you just take away a couple of super long runs, it's not like Kenneth Walker really did anything. And it was like, that was not our intent. Our intent was to be like, these errors caused massive plays 
that were a massive factor in this game and submarined the entire game for us. And those are the errors we've got to fix if we want to go forward. Um, But with that said, Scuzz's point was still taken where it's like, okay, so now if we go back and I think when I go back and evaluate the Michigan state game again, I still see the same errors. And it's like, look, the bottom line is the secondary made a couple of brutal errors um, in that game. But you do realize that when you're talking about break and contain and stuff like that, and like a safety's missing a tackle, a cornerback's break blowing contain or blowing a tackle, and then you're like, there's no linebacker within a country mile of this play. Well, yeah, the safety in the corner should still make the tackle. But if they don't, that play's going for a touchdown because ain't no linebacker within a country mile of that play. The other part of it, though, is, and this relates to the Michigan State game, it relates to the preseason, it relates to right now is what we're doing with the nickel. And at the time that we kind of first saw the nickel in the Michigan State game, we viewed it at the time as, oh, our nominal number, you know, CB2 has been pushed inside to make up for, you know, errors. And what we subsequently realized is, no, that's not the case. Rod Hurd has been our nickelback since the summer. This is obviously it. If we're going nickel, Rod Hurd is is the nickel. And the bothersome thing about that is it became really clear in the Michigan State game and in subsequent games that we're going to run that package all the time. And we talked about it last week. It is just, it is such a vanilla defense that it becomes, and, and the way that it's employed and the way that it's kind of freely switched in and out of, it becomes very clear that Rod Hurd is effectively working as a linebacker. Rod Hurd's 5'11", 185 pounds, and also is a cornerback. And he's effectively playing linebacker all the time. And we've heard reports, you know, recently over the past couple of days that there's some consternation in the locker room. Again, this is not, I don't have a direct source for this. This is just things we're hearing. That there's consternation in the locker room having to do with the split between the 4-2-5 and the 4-3. And, you know... Gallo's humor being what it is, we're hearing that and being like, ugh, like that like what's crazy about that is our 425 hardly looks different from our 43 at all. The only difference is we're bringing in Rod Hurd. And why are we bringing in Rod Hurd? Because the core is so slow and you're trying to put more f- more speed on the field. But with all due respect to poor Rod Hurd, he's 185 pounds and he's not a linebacker. There are three yeah, games. Rod Hurd is not Kyle Cairo. Yes, there are three. There are three games this year where he has one tackle. So factor that in and be like, it's not that he's not trying; it's that the guy's getting bodied by tackles and tight ends out there. And it's like the, and then you factor in right that this was clearly a point of emphasis and a package that was put in in the summer, right? That it's like we're gonna run a lot of this. And you look and it becomes pretty clear if this was last season, 75% of the times we're in this package, Northwestern's just in base 4-3 in 2020 because it's the same guys. And it's just Chris Bergen's just flexed out and we've got Patty and Blake inside and we're just going with that. But it 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 makes it apparent to me that this that this problem, that this linebacker problem was something that was a, that we were aware of in the summer. Oh my gosh, this core group of four guys we're going to be playing, they are really, really slow. We're going to have to compensate for that. And to the point Scuzz made, it's like, and at no point was it like, you know, thrown out a random name, number one player in the state of Illinois, McAuley line. He's really fast. You've all seen his high school tape. 
Anthony Tyus looks pretty good as a four-star freshman playing right now. Like, not going to kick the tires on this at all. And it's it's all of these things. And, and And then that thing, and then that piece we talked about too, where it's like Duke knew what we were going to run and then they did it. Nebraska knew what we were going to run. And it's like you hear fits in the fits in the post game after Duke. Well, the turnovers were coming so fast and furious, we didn't have time to adjust. You hear fits after Nebraska and it's like, you know, they ran a different wrinkle from the option, you know, that we were expecting and we just couldn't adjust and it's like Northwestern fans are not making these minute distinctions at this point. Northwestern fans are just being like, "No, this group just kind of isn't getting it done." And what are we going to do differently now? Um, I mean, the, because, the, the, the thing that yeah. I'm wondering is like, at this point, what's the harm in trying? Yeah. Exactly. And that's I, like, e- even going back to when we previewed this team, and I know I talked about this after Duke, but the part of the excitement that we had around what was possible on defense was because of how deep the team was. And when you're replacing a Patty Fisher and a Blake Gallagher and a Greg Newsom and a J.R. Pace, you need to take a few bites at the apple. And we've taken one. Right. I mean, we put it, we break. Like, yeah. like, like literally one bite. Um, And some other guys maybe get into garbage time and, and otherwise, but like, it just, it's so weird. And on, on, on top of all of the stuff we've talked about with O'Neill's, background and the types of things he's done in the past and the fact that we haven't really seen any of that at Northwestern like the like our point here is not like Fitz should be fired or Fitz is a terrible coach or anything our our point here is more of everybody's screaming about Jim O'Neill but like broaden your lens folks and uh, and I mean hey maybe maybe this is O'Neill like maybe this is all his fault Again, nothing looks worse on paper than the Jim O'Neill hire right now. I mean, this guy is now presided. He's been a defensive coordinator three times at three different teams. And those three defenses are absolutely atrocious. Like, it's not defensible. Um, and there, you know, so there's there's that whole piece of it. I, you know, it's the other thing, too, is like with the linebackers um, and Again, when we're talking about just how big these issues are, one of the other things that a lot of you should understand is we played a ton of zone against Nebraska and have played a ton of zone in general this season. And you're seeing quarterbacks, Peyton Thorne did it, but then like Martinez did it too, finding holes in the zone. And why? Because zone coverage is softer than man coverage. Why are we in zone? Because Duke absolutely shredded us throwing the ball against man coverage. Because Duke just walked out and was like, who are the linebackers covering? Okay, wheel route. Who are the linebackers covering? Slant route. Who are the linebackers covering? Tight end fly route out of the backfield. It don't matter. Look at how vanilla these packages are. We think that guy's covering our running back. He is covering our running back. We think that guy's covering our tight end. He is covering our tight end. And they just destroyed us with that stuff. And then... Well, this is pro- this is the time where you should talk about the sick Doman sack, uh, yeah. well, John. Because, yeah. it, because it, 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 it precisely underscores what, that's, you're, what you're describing here from the other so side. So that's a, that's a great point. And we saw a, a metaphor today. And again, we're not going to attribute it, uh, you know, the person who said this, a lot of you will have read it, and this is someone we would be happy to attribute it to, but without his consent, I'm not going to attribute it. But the 
made a a great comparison or you know talking about the idea of okay whereas and and we're all familiar with this hank was mr ben but don't break right not give up the big play flex 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 and making the 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 comparison to and o'neill's and o'neill's more aggressive right and o'neill is is he's he's playing a level of chess above what the the guys you know on the team are capable of handling at this point it's creating a lot of problems and over aggressiveness the problem we see with this is like we ain't seeing any aggressiveness and we ain't seeing any complexity. We certainly saw it when he was in Cleveland and when he was at San Francisco and the, you know, it was infamous. Players were like, this is way too complicated. It's a mess. It's not working, etc. Um, but we're seeing nothing here. It's just base. It's super base nickel or it's super base four, three. And we just sit there and the defense goes, all right, we're going to do this. The points, the point that Scuzz just made is, you, you know, we talked about Eric Chenander is not a perfect defensive coordinator, but he's great at one thing. We talked about it last year. We talked about it in the summer. We talked about it in this year. He's great at scheming pressure on third downs. He's great at using his linebackers and his safeties to maximum effect. And the first sack of the game, you know, we were watching and Jojo Doman just lights up Holinsky. And that's when Holinsky got hobbled and was kind of hobbled for the rest of the game. You watch that play once and you go, oh man, Wiedeker totally blew it on this play. You watch that play times two through 10 and you go, oh my God, this is a beautiful play. And it's just, it's a thing of beauty. It is a situation where Nebraska puts a ton of guys on the line and it's like, where are we coming from? You don't know. Who's the pressure coming from? And then on the snap, a bunch of guys rush, a bunch of guys drop and Doman just sits there for like a half a second he sits flat-footed at the line and that's just enough time for Wiedeker and Evan Hall to go where's the pressure coming from oh pressure's coming from the left and they both go to pick up or help on other guys and Doman comes in totally clean unblocked you can look at this play and be like the guy should have blocked it better but it's just a sick play you watch it and you're like where is this? You can tell the Chenander has like 15 of these. And it's like, I've like, I'm putting my guys in the maximum position to succeed here. Someone's getting a free release on this play. And I remember in week one against Michigan state, we saw one of those plays, right? Where I think it was Coco came on a blitz or Bryce came on a blitz and we dropped, we dropped a defensive lineman out into coverage and it just didn't happen to work. But we were like, oh, there it is. That's a taste of what we'll be seeing. And then we just have seen none of that. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I mean, we hang, there are several things where it's like, we're like, who do we hang this on the most? Do we hang it on O'Neal? Do we hang it on Fitz? But one thing that indisputably gets hung on O'Neal is that like, this scheme is not showing teams anything. Nebraska didn't have to guess once. Nebraska was like, we're dictating from the beginning. They're just showing us base. We know these guys are going to make this error again. So here it comes. And it's just like, so that's the thing, right? I mean, it's like when you find yourself intensely jealous of the defensive schemes, the other team is running and side note, that team's Nebraska, things are probably going wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure there's much more to say. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it, th- that's that's it right there. Um, so so where do we go? That that I think is what everyone's thinking. We're in the bye week. 
Um, we knew after hearing Fitz's post game, you know, comments, and yeah, there wasn't a press conference today. I wish I wish there was, but there wasn't. If a change was going to be made, it would have been made already. We're not firing. It never was going to happen. We're not firing Jim O'Neill in the middle of the season. Like, let's I, just I, let's just stop though. Let's just stop in the interest of of all of our listeners and everyone else, and say in the event that would never happen. Just like you're saying, it would never happen. If Pat Fitzgerald fired Jim O'Neill tomorrow, no one would blink. Not one person. And that bears, that just bears mentioning. Uh, you know, it's not going to happen. If it happened, no one blinks. So let's just point that out. So this would be the time to make a change, right? You're going to the bye week. If you're going to make some schematic changes, um, now would be the time to do it. It's not happening. If there is a change that's going to be made, which this is Pat Fitzgerald we're talking about, guys. He is, he is a stubborn Irishman. <laughs> to, to quote Teddy Greenstein, that game was so bad that Fitz will wait seven years before firing his defensive coordinator. I, I think the quote was actually, he's so mad at his defensive yeah, coordinator. He's going to fire him seven years. years. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, in, unless, but the, but yeah. they, go, go ahead. Well, so, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I would imagine that, you know, when we play Rutgers, um, I don't think the scheme is going to look dramatically different. No. Um, I think there are maybe it's, it's, it's possible that um, this scheme is too complex. I remember over the summer, like uh, Brandon Joseph, I think talking, you know, right away about how exciting um, it was that like what O'Neill was bringing and how excited the secondary was and they were taking things to another level but it was a really complex scheme. There's a lot to learn, et cetera, right? Like they might just need to, to, to simplify things. And, I'm like, what is, yeah. Like what, can but, we see some but of I, it? I, like, I mean, look, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing out possibilities here, right? Like, like it's hard for me to imagine that it's more simple than it is today, but like what, whatever the assignments are, whatever the, 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 the coverage is, it's like, it's not, it's not working. Right. So you've, you've, either got to shift some stuff around or you shift some players around. And I think that's probably more likely. I, I, you know, if, if I, I can't remember if we've seen this in the past, but a lot of times teams over, you know, when they have a two week opportunity like this, they open up competition again. And it's the sort of thing that a coach like Fitz would be very unwilling to do right during that, that preseason period and the, that, that, the, you know, the, the last five can, weeks that we've can I just, seen. Can so. I just insert one thing here real quick and then I'll, I'll give it back to you. Sure. Hunter Johnson had one good game, one mediocre game and one really bad game. And that was enough for him to get taken off the starting job and it be clear, be clear that he was never going to get it back. So it's like Fitz doesn't have a problem doing it with quarterbacks. Okay. Um, so I'm like, that's, I mean, that's my point. I'm like, I, whatever, whatever, like, Whatever the equivalent of a three interception, one fumble game is for a linebacker core, that had to have been it. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I I don't know what we're gonna see. Is is the is the performance gonna change dramatically? Like I don't know. I like I feel like on top of the the issues we've already talked about, I feel like this this defense. And frankly, the offensive line in, at times as well are missing 
missing the physicality, missing the edge that they had last year, the urgency with which Northwestern played in 2020. I think there are, um, honestly, I think, I think the, the, the players on the team need to take a hard look at themselves and figure out who's going to be the voice in the room, who's going to hold people accountable, who's going to push the team. There were so many strong voices on the 2020 Northwestern team and there don't seem to be many that have emerged this year. And that's like, that's okay. Like, it's okay to be a really good football player and really good at what you do and not be, you know, quote unquote, a leader. Like that's not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to shit on anybody here, but like we got to figure out who the leaders are and elevate their voices. Right. Um, so like, those are the kind of the possibilities. I think there's a lot of people talking about like, let's just play young players so we can, we can build reps. There's certainly an argument for some of that. I, I, I still think there's merit in, I mean, certainly, you know, bowl eligibility certainly looks like a, a million miles away right now, but if the team can play better, like, I don't know, Rutgers, Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue, like, it's not that bonkers to, to, to cobble together we, four more we wins. We can beat Wisconsin and, three to nothing, right? Yeah, right. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of benefit to, uh, you know, the potential of turning this season around. And I, I like, I don't know what the right thing is. I don't know how hard of a lift it is. Like for all we know, Fitz is sitting down in the, in his office thinking all the exact same things that all of you and all, and, and the three of us are all talking about right now. Right. Like he's no dummy. Um, he's the one that's got to go figure out how to fix it. And you know, but, but, but if, but if what we get in two weeks against Rutgers looks exactly like what we've seen for the last five weeks, um, I like I like I feel like people's heads are going to explode. That well, probably mine included. Well, and that's true. And and Rucker's head will explode with joy because I'm like that's the and that's the weird push pull where there on one hand I think there are a lot of us and and there's a big part of me where it's, it's almost like look this defense is is an absolute just disaster right now and it's kind of radiating out from the center of the defense and. If we have to kick, so here's here's a point of reference, okay? Like, I specifically highlighted Bryce Gallagher last last week because of his improvement so far this season. Okay, real talk, Bryce is having a pretty rough season, okay? He is part of this group that is an, an absolute mess. And there is a part, to an extent, where he has risen from fourth to second amongst this group kind of by default to a little bit, but at the same time, I am also inclined to give him a longer rope because he's only a sophomore. He could get so much better, and he definitely has improved from his first ga- first game to his fifth game. You can't argue that. It's been really rough, but he at least has improved. And I'm like, so there's there's that piece where I'm like, okay, look, so let's give some more guys. If, if, if you put a Mac Uyline and a Jalen Rivers and Xander Miller on the field and those guys, you know, make up a bunch of, you know, a mess of plays. And and for the record, Jalen Rivers has been on the field kind of for like one play and it was against Ohio and he, and he was part of a group that gave up a long touchdown because it's growing pains. He like hadn't been on the field before in a game situation. And part of me is almost like, look, I'm willing to, to give some of that up. If it allows me, not unlike with the offense, to be like, well these guys are getting important reps and I can see that so-and-so is going to be the future. So if, if this is what we've got to do on the other hand, and we stress this off the top in the name of good feels. Now let's stress it off the top in the name of raw X's and O's and where this season is going. This offense is just 
a couple of F-ups from being in almost any game on our remaining schedule, okay? This team, this offense has gotten in its way so much this season. And at the same time, you have seen the potential for what this team can do when it pass protects, what this team can do when it doesn't commit random foul, uh, random holds or penalties or random turnovers inside the 10. When this offense can get out of its own way, it's capable of moving the ball against just about anybody. Now, yeah, we still haven't faced Aiden Hutchinson. We still haven't faced George Karloftis, right? We still haven't faced Zach Van Valkenburg, Wisconsin's pass rush, etc. right? There's some tough defenses left on the schedule, but it's, it's that push-pull where it's like, if the defense gives anything, the offense is going to put us in a Rutgers, an Illinois, a Purdue, just like Scuzz said. So it's it's that push-pull, and it's like, you know, can't we just, just rotate some guys in? Just get some guys some reps where we at least feel better about the long term as we deal with this mess of the short term. And, you know, like like Sam said, you know, it's that spot. It's that bi-week period. Let's, can we just do something so that we so like we don't feel like it's just total inertia going forward? So, I mean, I, I don't know how much more there is to say uh, tonight. I mean, we, we obviously <laughs> could talk much, much more, and um, and we will. And, you know, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, uh, at Westlaw Pirates. Give us your thoughts. Email us, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, you know, th- this dialogue is good uh, for us, at least. I mean, try to get our heads on straight. But, um, you know... This is our bye week. Um, we should probably just quickly go through kind of what happened the rest of around the conference. And then there, there's a couple fun games this weekend. I, I know we don't have Northwestern to watch, but that doesn't mean there's not some fun football to watch. Iowa, Penn State, I'm looking at your direction. Um, so quickly around the conference here, uh, Iowa goes to Maryland uh, you know, we were wondering about this game going in, you know, you know, is, could Maryland hang with, Iowa? no, Maryland could not hang with Iowa because Iowa's defense causes turnovers and Iowa's defense puts Iowa's offense in situations where they don't have to do much. Yeah. I think, I think the really important takeaway from this game, because people are going to look at the score and be like, oh my God, Iowa. And like, yes. Oh my God. Iowa's defense. 24 of the first 31 points that Iowa scored came off of turnovers. So it's, it's like, so yes, crazy. Yes, the offense was involved, but like I, we've yet to see a game where the other team didn't cough the ball up multiple times to Iowa's offense. That's generally how they're able to to score and and put teams in a hole. And I don't know. We'll see this weekend. Can Sean Clifford stay clean on the on the turnover side? Like. To date, trends would say no, but like it's Iowa's offense still does not look good, and and like Iowa fans agree. It's it's so crazy because Iowa's the third best team in the country. There's no doubt about it. Like it's not a murderer's row. It's Iowa and Cincinnati are pr- pretty much fighting for that spot, and at the same time, it's so crazy where you're looking, you're like, well, the rubber will meet the road here because Iowa just can't stop living off of these turnovers that look like a mixture of overall talent, but also incredible luck. And then they somehow got, what, 
like how many turnovers out of Talia Tagovailoa without sacking him once? Five interceptions and a fumble, was, I believe. He 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 had thrown one before. Yeah, that. you watch and you watch these, and you're watching him. And you're like, "What are you doing? Why are you throwing it there? You're not being pressured. You're just sitting in the pocket." And it's like, but this is the life Iowa leads, and it's like, they are. This is the kind of thing where it's like, it's it's better to be lucky than good, but it's best to be both lucky and very good. And on defense, that's what they look like. And right, like just once, can we see what happens if their offense has to be really tested? And I don't know, maybe we'll get there. Uh, Penn State shut out Indiana 24 nothing. on this. Our, our, our sister school, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, and Michael Penix is hurt again. And that's just gutting for this yeah. guy. Shoulder injury out indefinitely. Um, you know, didn't look great in this game through a pick. Was completely less than 50% of his passes. Um, 5.4 yards per attempt, not great. Penn State's defense is for real. And, um, you know, we've seen that before, but they looked they looked good in this game and then um, just, just smothered Indiana. I, I mean, Indiana, did, like, barely eclipsed 250 yards total. It's just so rough. I mean, they're, they are. They are our our mirror image. They're our doppelganger. And it's like they are Indiana fans are living the same nightmare that Northwestern's living right now. And there's no other way to phrase it than that. Except that Indiana brought back like all their players. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only only, only upshot for Northwestern is uh, we have that excuse at least. Uh, Ohio State beat Rutgers 52-13. Cool. Can we, can Uh, we just go back to that? The the spread for this game was like 15 points or something. I mean, like, I, I should be sitting on the yacht I made with my I got with my free money from betting on this game. Why I didn't, I have no idea. When you started that sentence, John, I really thought it was going to end with Urban Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michigan goes to Madison, wins thirty-eight to seventeen. Same kind of deal, almost like. Michigan and Iowa, but to a lesser extent, Michigan's been very good. I'm not going to take anything away from them. Like they're, they, they've been very good, but you keep waiting for, all right, when's Michigan's first game coming? And it's like, I mean, Wisconsin, Lord have mercy. What? So, so here's the, I mean, just, I want to like indulge me a little bit with this game because, you know, going into this, I think the, the question was, all right, Michigan hasn't played anybody. Are they for real? We don't know. Wisconsin has massive quarterback problems and doesn't seem to be able to run the ball like they've been able to in the past, but has also played two really good defenses and has an incredible defense themselves. Well, they did pretty good on the ground against Michigan early, but then Michigan was able to torch them through the air. And it just, it's, it's really surprising how the Wisconsin secondary has, it, has fallen it is, off. And, and Penn made, State got them through the air too. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and, I, I still see Jahan Dotson like running free after he gotten over the top of them. Yep. Yeah, I, it, it's it's so it's. I mean, this is definitely like Michigan definitely looks good. This is the best that they've looked since um, what was it three years ago where where the only game they lost was to Ohio State or was that that four or five years? Ago? I can't remember how long ago it was, but um, this is the best they've looked since they you know um, they were le- legitimately in the in 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 position for a playoff spot if they if they knocked off Ohio State and they got crushed by the Buckeyes um you know we'll see how they compare when they play a a Penn State um I don't I don't think they get Iowa this year but but then on the other side Wisconsin is just 
a mess. And I know Sam, you joked earlier about about them, you know, about us beating them three nothing. Like I think, I, I you know, I think they're probably pretty good at running the ball. Um, if 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 we put out the kind of defense <laughs> yeah, that we've seen, a, there's not a there's not a team um, that can't pile up points on us right now. But yes. Have. But but for any team that can slow the run, I mean, when they play Iowa, they're going to get bludgeoned. Um, I mean, Nebraska is oh could, yeah could beat Wisconsin Wis- um, based on how they look right now because Graham Mertz cannot right. execute the offense effectively. It is it's stunning there. It's the roof's caved in. I mean, we're 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 not alone in that club right now. Um, and I suppose that's that's something. Michigan, too, it's funny. I, I talked about it in the summer, and I talked about the fact that they had a new D.C. coming in and that the new D.C. was going to make a bunch of changes, and I didn't see that it, it worked. And it has worked so far. Um, new defensive coordinator coming in. Immediately, Michigan's defense gets gets way better. It must be nice. It must be nice. <laughs> Uh, Michigan State beats up on Western Kentucky, forty-eight to thirty-one. Um, Illinois beats Charlotte, twenty-four to fourteen. And in the deluge at uh, in West Lafayette, Minnesota comes away with a twenty to thirteen win over Purdue. I really thought David Bell wasn't playing in this game because when I looked um, at some point in the first half, he had no catches, but he ends the game with one hundred twenty yards, and yet still Purdue. Didn't look good. They couldn't. They couldn't run the ball at all. Um, they've been missing um, uh, Horvath, Zach Horvath, their their best running back. Uh, King Daru played and like had an okay average. Got close to 100 yards, but um, they're just they're just not looking great. Austin Burton with three carries. Interestingly, um, Jack Plummer is still out. I think he's probably been the better quarterback of of the two thus far this year. But um, you know, it's it. This Minnesota team is it, like. Every time you think that they're toast, they they poke their head back up like a gopher coming out of a hole, and um, it's it's just it's gonna be really interesting to see what their season looks like in the end. I mean, they're three and two right now. They they I guess look like the third best team in the West. I was about to say, who do you think is the second best team in the West right now? I mean, I think it has to be. Nebraska. I was thinking the same thing, and I'm like, it has I, to. Be. I know. It, it is. I know it, it hurts me to two, say that out and loud. And they have but more conference losses than Minnesota or Purdue right now. And they lost to <laughs> Illinois. And I think they're the second best team in the West. What a they're, what a friggin' mess. I, I, I know. It's it's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But um, it's, you know, the, the, the Northwestern pain notwithstanding. It is going to the, – the race in the West is still, like, pretty open, like, assuming that – you know, somebody can play Iowa and not turn the ball over um, and have, have half a shot at, at actually winning that game. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I, Minnesota, Minnesota continuing to survive while Chris Hotman Bell looks like not a good receiver. And um, Dylan Wright, the big transfer from, from A&M isn't playing. He had no catches. This is two games in a row. I don't even know if he's, I don't know if he's injured or what the story is. And of course, losing Mo Ibrahim, like it's just, Hey, we, it's weird. Week to week, it's weird. We, we won our Mac game, so we got that going for us, which is which is nice. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> All right. So this weekend, um, Maryland is at Ohio State, eleven o'clock on Fox. Ohio State, a twenty-one point favorite at home against Maryland. There's some more free money for Tell you, John. It. 
Talia should have a better was, go at this. I was defense. about to say. I think he's gonna throw for big points in this game. I I like my guess is Ohio State wins this one like fifty six twenty eight or something like that. So I don't know. That's one I would certainly not bet on for sure. Michigan State is at Rutgers. Uh, Michigan State a five-point favorite on the road. That's it. This is the game last year where Michigan State turned the ball over five times yeah. and Rutgers annihilated them. Um, so Michigan State's also ranked number 11 right now. They're 5-0. and oh, So, uh, you know, we'll, this will be an interesting – it'll be interesting to see if, if Rutgers tests them at all early, but it, it certainly feels like Michigan State should win this going away. Can, can, definitely want to keep your please, eyes on. Please, Michigan State, can you just – just confirm for us that Rutgers is a really bad football team. Like we just need this. Come on, pile pile drive them, please. Uh, Wisconsin at Illinois, um, two thirty on Big Ten Network. Wisconsin a ten point favorite. On I the mean, road. Oh, three, boy. three oh, weeks boy. ago, I would have said this game was fifty to nothing. I Wisconsin is. I mean that that is nuts. Like Wisconsin is this is a this is a game where Wisconsin should just plow Illinois and that it is ten points is just crazy. With that said though, Brandon Peters, I mean, you need someone to throw. Brandon Peters ain't your man, so I don't uh I you know So you know so you know what's really funny? When you if you pull up the like like the game cast game preview for for this game, um it shows like when it shows when it does the quarterback comparison, it's showing you Arthur Sitkowski because he's got better numbers, but he hasn't played in three games, and it's inconceivable. Right, it is. It's so nuts. Uh, the big one, the, uh, Penn Penn State at Iowa, three o'clock for the f- on Fox. For the first time this season, Penn State and Iowa will meet on a football field. Yeah, uh, I mean. These, I mean, yeah, it does. It, it does seem like these, they're on a these two, course. These the... two teams are friggin' awesome. They're just great. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. so here's here's a fun uh, stat. Um, the last time there was a top five matchup in the Big Ten that did not involve Ohio State or it was or Michigan. Oh, well, I'm no, no, sorry. It was, 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 was nineteen ninety seven. Okay. And the and the last time it did not involve Ohio State or Michigan, it was nineteen sixty two. Wow, that's just that is a yeah. long time, my friends. Yeah, it, I mean it's and I mean it's a it's an awesome game. Like I can't wait to see what happens in this one. What is the line on this game? Iowa by two. Iowa by two. Wow. I mean, it, I mean, I will also I will also point to the Iowa Penn State game from roughly a decade ago when um I think it was Iowa won six to six four. To four. Yeah. I, oh, that, <laughs> that was amazing. That was, that was a game. Oh my I, god. I must feel like I've, if I'm Penn State. I just punt the first four or five times I get the ball just immediately just to see what happens. I'm just like Th- third down I, quick kick. I'm, I'm not be like, I'm not <laughs> pin them deep. I'm not giving Iowa a turnover inside my own 20. I want to see Spencer Petrus go 80 yards against our defense. So I'm just going to punt it yeah. and put it down uh, at their 20. <laughs> unlike the Maryland game. Um, so I, I would, I would argue that Penn state's offense, like, like they have not looked as good. Like, Clifford is not as good as as uh, Talia Tungavailoa. Like, in, like just you compare those two QBs to one another. I think Talia has a higher ceiling. However, Penn State's defense is light years better than Maryland's, right. and the idea that Iowa is going to be do, able to do much against Penn State's defense is, is, I mean, like 
this is this is truly a game that's going to hinge on turnovers um, and is going to be a fascinating chess match to watch. We thought that Penn State was probably going to you know be as high as the number two defense in the Big Ten. We thought Wisconsin was going to be number one. But we didn't realize teams were going to go over the top of them. But Penn State is – we talked very much about Penn State as a team that all the pieces were there and they just needed to come together, and they've all come together. So this is going to be, a, yeah, an awesome game. Then uh, finally, 6.30 Central on ABC, Michigan at Nebraska. Michigan a three-point favorite in Lincoln. So I'm going to double down on something I said earlier, and that's, you know, I felt like like Nebraska, like, yes, Northwestern just handed it to them on a platter, but they they were so jacked up for that homecoming game. They brought a laser focus and executed to perfection. I I cannot believe that they're able to play at that level two weeks in a row. I was gonna say I thought you were gonna do. I thought you were gonna go the other way, and I was like, no, gird yourselves. This is this is three weeks in a row, right? Like they they put it all out there against Oklahoma, and then they effectively, like statistically at least, dominated a Michigan State team and still lost, annihilated us. I just like. That gas tank, yes, it's Michigan coming to Lincoln. Like people are going to be excited. It's a it's a massive game, and I and I really think they're going to wither under the spotlight. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I'm just like this season being what it is. I am firmly expecting Michigan to just lay the wood to Nebraska in this game because we can't have nice things this season. <laughs> so it's like now that Nebraska's done this to us, I'm just like I mean. Please let me be wrong. I mean, I, you know, the idea of rooting for either one of these teams is just makes me want to throw up, but I'm like the, it just feels like after we watch Nebraska just have their way with us that now Michigan is going to pound Nebraska. But also, can I just point out like what a travesty it is that this is the ABC night game as opposed to Penn State, Iowa? Yeah, I know. It's that, is it that, it's that Fox thing, right? But it's not, Fox yeah, isn't even Fox. put it at noon. At least they didn't put it at noon. I'm like the the Penn State Iowa game. At least it's an afternoon game. Yeah, but I, I agree. Um, nationally, there's there's a couple other big. I mean, the biggest game is in the Big Ten, but there are some other kind of fun games to keep an eye on. Um, I I will be attending Cincinnati Temple, which is not one of these yeah. fun games of which you speak. But it'll oh still be fun as hell God, Friday that's night. A, that's a sacrificial offering. Oh, my Lord. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> oh it is. I'll be rooting for Cincinnati and Cam Ruiz. Wow. 29-point uh, uh, favorite Cincinnati is. Yeah, it's – I mean, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, watch them come home from, from winning at Notre Dame Stadium and just, you know, crap the bed here against Temple. That would certainly be something that they oh would do. God. Big big SEC uh, big SEC tilt at eleven a.m. Oklahoma and yeah, Texas Oklahoma Texas Red River rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> can can someone explain to me why Oklahoma is the three point favorite here? They have not looked good. Um, I know, I know. I mean, has te- has no, Texas? I'm like, and that's I that's mean, the thing. They've looked but better. I, Texas lost by twenty to Arkansas. I think the most likely scenario here is Texas wins this game, and then who's the worst team they play? shortly thereafter on their schedule because that's what'll happen texas i see texas I'm, I'm looking right now oklahoma state no at baylor that sounds about right texas will beat oklahoma <laughs> and then lose at baylor in two weeks that's my prediction 
Well, that would be great because Cincinnati needs some help to get into the college football playoff, and uh, an undefeated Oklahoma is like right probably the the biggest domino that needs to fall to get them in there. Uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss. I mean, Arkansas licking their wounds after getting shellacked by Bama. Blooms off that rose as we all realize that there are two teams in the SEC and really the nation. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's but, true. Yeah. I mean, this if this is Bama, Georgia. Yep. They're going to see each other in the SEC championship, and there's a very good chance they'll see each other again in the playoff. Yep. I mean, those two teams are unbelievable. Um, but George is going to have a, a fun one against Auburn. I definitely <laughs> the, right, the, Yeah. <laughs> They're going to get Harsoned. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. It, it's going to be fun to watch Harson get curb stomped by Georgia. Fair. Fair. Agre- agreed. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just kind of scanning through the rest here. Um, Wyoming Air Force is always entertaining. Yeah, there's 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 not much else. Yeah, yeah, LSU, yeah. LSU, Kentucky, Bama, A and M. Yeah, unless A and M somehow yeah, sneaks no. up on Bama, but the but yeah, not not too much else. Again, the the Big yeah, Ten's I, got I, the. I think you're. Uh, Solid verbal window of opportunity is the is Saturday evening. Go uh, take take the take someone out and have a have a nice dinner. Because I, I can, was going to say what, yeah, your, your apple the apple picking weekend as it were, although yeah. not with not with Iowa Penn State I suppose. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like that that's the afternoon. I mean, you got to go apple picking in the morning, come right. back watch Iowa Penn State, and then go out to a nice dinner at night. There you go. I, th- I think that that's your Saturday, right? Right for for all, for for, ev- for everyone's spouse who's been like, oh my god, look at him, look at her. It's been like this for five weeks now. Well, you can give give them the energy they'll need to support you the rest of this season. <laughs> exactly. All right, boys. Um, anything else to add before we uh, put this one to bed? I no. no. No, I'll so I'll just no. I was gonna I was gonna I'll go somewhere, but I'm I'll, no just like fl- flush and like I'm gonna I'm gonna drink the bad taste out of my mouth and um, pray to God that we see something different in two weeks. I'll just say you know we kind of tweeted it after the game, but you know hang in there, support each other, support your fellow Northwestern fans. We're all gonna get through this together. Um, you know, support the players. Um, let's, you know, let's pull through this, you know, Dave. And, and to that point, if anybody's got an idea on, on ways we can help distract, uh, and entertain everybody, like let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. Email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern Athletics. Look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.